Thank you so much for joining us today and listening to a PCF podcast. We believe listening to the Word of God will change your life. God bless you as you continue listening to this podcast. Today I want to talk about coming up higher and my sermon is called Arise. I want to take us back a few weeks to where Wayne spoke about um, him being my knight in shining armor and going up this ladder, wasn't he? And he was killing the spider and he took the broom and if he'd been in South Africa, I'd have bashed its head in, right? <laughs> and when, I, when, he, when he said this, I heard people going, <gasps> like <laughs> sucking in their breath and how could you kill the spider? And I've been here in church and one has like crawled across the floor in the passage and I've stomped on it and I go, you shouldn't do that. Um, You need to save the spiders. Um, But you know, one day I was at home and I came into my kitchen one morning and there on the kitchen floor was a spider going, good morning. (laughs) And as I stepped towards it, it bolted under the fridge and, and became my resident spider under the fridge. A couple, of, I, I, a couple of days later, I'm lying in bed in the night and I'm really thirsty and thinking about, you know, I really could do with going down and getting a drink and I don't want to put the lights on and wake the whole house up. But I actually couldn't get out of bed because of the thought of the spider in my kitchen. So it kind of paralyzed me in bed. And uh, a couple of mornings later, I walked down into my kitchen and the family had moved in. There was three on the kitchen floor going, morning! (laughs) And I was like, I can't believe this. And as I stepped forward, they all ran under the fridge. At night, I was lying in bed, wanting a drink. (laughs) Terrified. Paralyzed, thinking about these spiders that I could encounter running across my bare feet if I had to go in the kitchen. I actually fell asleep thirsty. But then I started dreaming. They were multiplying. They were coming up the walls, up the stairs, and then they were crawling all over me in my bed. But I wonder, I just wonder, what spiders we're entertaining. What spiders of thinking are we entertaining? They need to be removed out of our lives because they are intimidating us. They are paralyzing us because they are multiplying. Jairus needed a miracle for his daughter and he called on Jesus. And as Jesus was going towards his house, I think Jesus was going to teach Jairus' family a new way of thinking. He's approaching the house and there's people rushing at him saying, you know what, don't bother the master any longer. Your child is dead. But Jesus and Jairus carried on. Jesus said to Jairus, don't you worry. She's just resting She will be healed. They get to the house, and the house is full of screaming, crying, mourning people. And Jesus puts them out. 
and only John and Peter and James and the parents go into the room with the little girl. He threw the whole lot out. And he reached into the girl's hand and he called her and he said, little girl, arise. Spirit was restored and she was made alive. Jesus killed the spider. Jesus killed the spider by putting out fear. He squashed death. He squashed negative thinking, didn't he? Jesus took authority over the words of death, over the natural circumstances. I believe I've got a word for you today. It's a word for the church. It's where we've started to head already. And he's calling us to arise. He's calling us to arise, to come up higher, to live from a higher position, a place of authority. He's calling us to live above the physical world that we live in, above our natural sense realm, what we would call our reality world, our symptom realm. He's calling us up higher and he's reaching out his hand like he did to the little girl and he's saying, son, arise. Daughter, arise. Jesus is calling us to arise. You might be saying, arise, arise to what? To where? Is, is it a position? Is it a place? Well, right at Jesus' trial, he was questioned. Questioned because who was he? Is he the Messiah? And he told them there. He said, I am going to go to a place and I'm going to go to a position. You have a look at it in Luke 22, 67 to 70. The leading priests are the ones that are arguing with him and saying, tell us, are you the Messiah? But he replied, if I tell you, you won't believe me. But if I ask you a question, you won't answer. But from now on, the Son of Man will be seated in a place of power at the right hand of God. They all shouted, so are you claiming to be the Son of God? And he replied, you say that I am. He knew he was going to arise to a position and a place of power. At Jesus' ascension, the disciples are standing there as he's arising into the sky and looking up. And you'll find in Mark 16, it says, And he sat down at the right hand of God. It's a position. Paul then reaffirms this. He reaffirms his place and his position. You'll find that in Ephesians 1, 19 and 20. He's saying to us that Jesus was seated at the right hand in heavenly places in a position of power forever. The power which raised Christ from the dead seated him at his right hand in heavenly places where it's far above principalities, powers, might, dominion, Every name that's named, not only in this age, but in 
that which is to come. How powerful is this? And he put things where all things were under his feet. And he gave him to be the head over all things, the church. As Christians, there's a place for us. There's a mindset. There's a belief system. There's faith. There's a place. But there's a position for us as well. Status, influence, appointment, place of authority that we are to live from. We are raised up together with him. Position of place and authority. Here it confirms in Ephesians 2.6, he raised us up together and he made us. How, how forceful is that? He made us to sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This place that we're seated with Christ at his right hand in heavenly places, the position of authority in Christ. We share the authority that Christ has. Why? Because we're joint heirs with him. Romans 8.17 tells us that. We share the same power. Can you even get your head around it? This right hand that I keep talking about to you, it's, it's used symbolically throughout Scripture. It's over a hundred times it keeps mentioning it. And I want to talk a little bit about the symbolic meaning of the right hand. It shows up as our authority and sovereignty. Here you, you can look up in Revelations 5. You'll see God sitting on his throne. In his right hand, he holds a scroll. And he's looking for someone to open that scroll. And he looks in earth, under the earth, in the heavens, and he cannot find anyone to open the scroll but Jesus Christ. Revelations 5 verse 7, it says, Jesus came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. What's in the scroll? God's will, his final settlement of all the affairs of this universe is given to Jesus Christ to open. Why? Because he had military power? Because he had a sword? No, because of the sacrifice that he made and defied death on the cross. That is why he is able to open the scroll. He has all authority and sovereignty at his right hand. The right hand is a, is a symbol of rulership. And we see Jesus exercising this as he separates the sheep from the goats in judgment. Matthew 25 says he'll have all the nations together on judgment day. And he'll say, I want my sheep on the right and I want the goats on the left. For all who believe in Christ, you want to be on the right hand side. And you will be because you're righteous. This is so important. This is crucial for our eternal destiny. You don't want to be on the left. Jesus' rulership is over all the church. You find that in Revelations 1, 16. It says, in his right hand, he holds seven stars. Remember we talked about that? 
seven stars. These are the pastors of the churches. He is the ruler over the churches and the pastors. He has the authority. And out of his mouth comes this two-edged sword. The word of God is what's dictating the authority. The right hand. The right hand is symbolic of blessing. In the ancient days of patriarchs, they used to lay their right hand on their eldest child, their grandchild, and declare blessing, blessings of inheritance to their eldest children. They would get the inheritance that was due to them, would be handed down. We are united with Christ. We are united with the eldest son. We share in inheritance, and we're not waiting for the blessing to come. He has blessed us. He has reached his right hand on each and every one of us. He has blessed you. Ephesians tells us in one, Ephesians 1, 3, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places because we're united with Christ. We're at his right hand. This right hand is symbolic of strength. Strength against the enemy. What, what is this enemy? It's anything that doesn't bring us any life, that diminishes us, that sickness, lack, demonic influences, atmospheric things that push against us, conflict. That's all the enemy. And his strength defies that. Exodus 15, 6 says, Your right hand, O Lord, Glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. Just his right hand. The right hand in Exodus 15, 12. You stretched out your right hand and the earth swallowed them. What power. Psalm 138, 7 says, Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. You will stretch forth your hand against the wrath of the enemies, and your right hand will save me. Do we even realize what we have seated at the right hand in heavenly places? This strength is for physical strength, mental strength, emotional strength. Isaiah Proves evidence again of it. Isaiah 41 verse 10. Fear not, for I am with you. Don't be dismayed. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. He's holding you. It's our protection. The right hand of protection. This is a promise to you. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The Amplified says, the side that's not carrying the shield, he's got you covered. If you're wearing your armor as a Christian, you're holding your shield in your left hand, you've got your sword in your right hand. You know what he says? I'll be your shade at your right hand too. There's nothing that can come against you and the power of your Lord. The right hand is a symbol of his provision. You will show me the path of life. Where in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are 
pleasures forevermore. This, this scripture uses images of the right hand. It's over and over again. But it's this picture, it's this pinnacle, isn't it, of God's authority, his rulership, his blessing, his strength, his protection, his provision. But I want to tell you today, the value of our authority rests on the power that's behind the authority. Just think about it. The value of our authority rests on the power that's behind the authority. You see, Jesus came to the disciples and he said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. This is Jesus speaking. All authority has been given to him. But look what he says in Luke. Behold, I give you authority. This is delegated power. He says, I've got it all, but I'm giving it to you. And you can trample on the serpents and the scorpions over all. All means all. There's nothing to think about. All. All power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. So why are we so afraid? The value of authority rests in the power that's behind the authority. The whole of heaven is backing you. Do you remember how Wayne spoke to us last week about the policewoman and she's standing in front of the big truck that's coming away? And because she had her uniform on, this truck would stop. As a, as a police person that's not got their uniform on, they're just an ordinary person. They don't have any, they're weak. They don't have any authority, but once that uniform's on, they can stop things. They can hold back traffic. They can disarm burly men. They can arrest. They can imprison. And the same goes for us. In our physical being, we look thin and measly and weak. But in our armor, in our authority of Christ, who you are in Christ, you can say stop. You can disarm. You can arrest, you can imprison because of the power and the authority of Jesus that's backing you. Do we believe it? Are we using our right hand of authority or is it a little bit in our pocket underutilized? I wonder, it's time to arise. It's time to arise. We do not need to be dominated by the spiders in our lives. We do not need to be paralyzed and defeated. It's time to arise. Luke 6 is a story that I'd like to discuss with you. It's about the man who has the withered hand. His withered right hand. In Luke, it's the only book that mentions that it's his right hand, it's in Matthew and it's in Mark. But I want to talk about the one in Luke because we're discussing the right hand. And I want us to look at it with the authority in mind. I think the right hand matters. Luke 6 says, Now it happened on another Sabbath also that he entered into the synagogue and he taught. And a man was there whose right hand was withered. So the scribes and Pharisees watched him closely, whether he would heal on the Sabbath 
that they might find an accusation against him. But he knew their thoughts, and he said to the man with the withered hand, Arise and stand here. And he arose and stood. And then Jesus said to them, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy? And when he looked around at them all, he said to them, Stretch out your hand. And he did so. And the hand was restored as whole as the other. But they were filled with rage and discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. Jesus loves everybody. He loves the sick. He loves the physically sick. He loves the spiritually sick. And Jesus was teaching, it says, in the synagogue. I believe he was using this healing as a teaching lesson for everybody. When I looked at the story initially, I, I thought, you know, there's only one man here sick who's got a right withered hand. But actually, when I took a deeper dive into the story, I noticed that the scribes and the Pharisees had a withered right hand too. Theirs was the withered right hand of authority. You see, one man was restricted because his physical body was withered and he most likely couldn't function properly. How would you tie your shoes, do a zip or a button or perhaps work and provide for your family? So without your right hand, you're hugely restricted, aren't you? And Jesus sees the man's physical plight and he wants to heal him and make him whole. And he calls the man over and he says, arise and stretch out your hand. And, and this man did exactly what Jesus said. He arrives, he comes up higher. He stretches out and he says, I'll do this. I, I've never heard of this. I didn't think I could ever use my right hand again, but I'm going to arise and come up higher and believe that I can be healed. And he was. But the scribes, they're watching. <laughs> the Pharisees are watching and they criticized. Sadly, they were living life with a spiritually withered hand, and they became angry with Jesus. They were bound up in law. They were bound up in restricted living and rules and regulations and political correctness of the day. Spiders everywhere keeping them withered. They didn't exercise the authority of their right hand. They could have healed the man like the disciples were healing. They had physically strong right hands, but very withered spiritual right hand of authority. And Jesus knew their thoughts. He was, he was trying to teach them. He was trying to say, you could come up higher. You could heal this man. But all they could think about was the law that said, no work on the Sabbath. And actually, the no-work rule was right. God put that in place. He said, you'll work six days, and the seventh day you will rest. They were right. But this was not work. This was Jesus working in authority. Is that work? Using your authority is not work. 
he was releasing power and authority. The man who was physically with it, hand, he responded immediately. He came up higher, despite the rules, despite the regulations, despite the spiders of the day, and he received a miracle. The scribes, however, they continued to agree with the wrong mindset, with the rules, and they kept themselves withered, spiritually weak, spiritually powerless. They could have been the ones healing that man that day. They could have been. They should have been, yes. But they refused to arise, to come up higher, to stretch out their right hands. What about us? Do we live according to con the constraints of our world, to the thinking that keeps us small and living according to our physical reality? Is that what dictates to us our sense realm, our symptom realm of this life? It can make us so powerless Believing we have to live with spiders. Believing that we have to live with poor health or shortage because there's a recession. It will result in a withered right hand. This teaching of Jesus became the physical demonstration of what we can have in both physical realm and our spiritual realm. We can arise and be healthy physically, and we can arise and be uh, spiritually healthy too in our authority. But many of us, we walk this life crippled and begging when I've said to you that we have already been blessed. We have power and authority. It's not something we have to try and get. We have this power and authority available to us. We sit in a restricted position in our season of purpose. We, we're crippled. And many of us just adapt to our surroundings and agree with the way things are. We just live with spiders coming out from under the fridge every day. Some of us are working, working, working in this life with a withered hand, trying everything, extra jobs, Let's put some more money in the pension pot that's decreasing quicker than we can put it in. Trying to feel better. Filling our lives with self-care, therapies, lots of pleasures, some time for self. Instead of releasing power and authority to change what we've already been given authority to do. Adam, I read this, but I thought I should actually put Adam slash Eve, plucked the forbidden fruit, dried up the right hand of the human race. He deprived man of the power and authority in Christ. However, Jesus has restored power by stretching his hands out on the cross. We don't live like Adam anymore. We are redeemed. We are in Christ. We are seated at the right hand of the Father too. In all the power and delegated authority that's been assigned to us. Your right hand signifies a great deal of importance. But what are you going to do if your power in your right hand has become withered? 
we are left with a huge challenge, aren't we? To respond like this man with the withered right hand. Would you arise and come up higher? Will you stretch out your hand? Would you move into the power and authority realm? You are all backed by the power of heaven. Isaiah 41 says, Fear not, I'm with you. Don't be dismayed, for I am your God, and I will strengthen you. Yes, I'll help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. For I, the Lord your God, will hold your right hand, saying to you, Fear not, I'll help you. I want you to visualize it. I will I'll take you by your right hand. That means that you're actually facing me. This is God, I'll pretend. I'll take you by the right hand and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. We're looking at each other. We're trusting each other. I'm looking at him and he's looking at me because we're holding right hand to right hand. This is the position that we're supposed to be in. I will uphold you and I will help you. We've used an illustration of a ladder on our PowerPoint to go, go up higher. This is what Monday looks like. Uh, I'll, I'll read my scripture. I believe your grace is sufficient for me. I'm up one rung. Tuesday, I'm back down in sense realm because I can't cope with life. Wednesday, I'll say a prayer. Yes, Jesus, you're my helper. I go up three rungs. You're my helper today. By Friday, I'm back down in the saints realm. We were never meant to go up and down the ladder. We are meant to stay up in the heavenly places. And when stuff comes against us, we declare, I'm not having that, devil. I have a power and authority to say I am an overcomer and I'm not living in this realm anymore. He is upholding you with, your, with his right hand, holding your right hand. He's your helper. We don't live this up and down life. Stop fighting in this natural realm. It's time to arise. It's time to stretch out your right hand. Peter and John, they were on their way to temple. And they come to the gate, beautiful, and there is sitting a man, and he's lame. And he's been lame, according to scripture, for over 40 years. And his parents keep bringing him there and putting him there and saying, you just beg for money, son. You'll be okay. And Peter and John spot him. And they looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. And the lame man looked at him eagerly. Expecting money. And Peter said, silver and gold I don't have. But what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And what did they do? They took him by the right hand. <laughs> and they lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he was leaping up. And he stood and he walked. And he entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. This man was over 40 years old. For years, he thought money was the solution to a begging cripple's plight. Money was the solution until he met Peter and John. 
which challenged his whole thinking. See, Peter and John had just seen Jesus ascend into heaven and been given delegated authority. One chapter earlier, they're in the upper room being filled with the dynamite power of the Holy Spirit. They knew what the right hand looked like, what power and authority. And they reach this man and they say, money we don't have, but I tell you what we do have, and that is the power and the strength and the restoration of the power of Jesus. And they grab him by the right hand, don't they? And they pull him up higher. And Dr. Luke says there that he starts leaping and jumping. I reckon after 40 years, all his joints and bones were clicking into their sockets and he couldn't help but jump and leap and praise the Lord. God was putting everything back into its right place. It wasn't too late for the man who was over 40 years old. It's not too late for us either. For years, you could have been thinking that the answer to your problem was something you had to work at, work hard at. Maybe it's something you thought you had to live with I want to come to you today and say, arise. I want to come to you today like Peter came to the man at the gate. And I say to you, do you know what? I look at you and I know you have needs. But silver and gold and the things that you need, I don't have. But what I do have, I want to give to you. I want to share with you the right hand of authority, power and authority. And he's saying to you, like Jesus, reaching over to the little girl, he's saying, would you hold my hand? Come up. Come up, son. Come up, daughter. Arise with me. Would you stretch your hand this morning like, like that man with the withered hand and say, I'll come up higher. He's inviting you today to arise, arise, stretch out your hand, look at those things that God's provided for us, authority, rulership, blessing, strength, protection, provision, won't you stand with me? We do it as a demonstration this morning. You put up your right hand. Isaiah 41 says that I arise. I stretch out my hand. You will uphold me with your right hand. I hold your right hand, Father God. You lift me up to this place of power and authority. This is the place that I want to live from, from today, would you help me? Would you help me? In Jesus' name, amen.